Okay, so you're listening to Aim for the Bushes. I'm your podcast person, Pavlo, also known as JPav, also known as Pav, also known as Pavi. And I'm here as always with my recording partner, Mags, or Maggie as she normally goes by. And so just before we get into today's uh, topics, uh, just a reminder that uh, what I say is just like strictly my opinion. I'm just saying I'm not trying to, you know, say that what I think is like the only correct manner of thinking or my opinions are like the only valid opinions on certain subjects. And especially when I get into like criticizing other people stuff or how other people present opinions like I'm not saying I am like the the correct way or my viewpoint is the correct viewpoint necessarily and so yeah with that out of the way now uh we're gonna we're gonna get into today's uh topic at least one of today's topics uh what we're gonna talk about today is the Boeing 737 Max 8 airplane I don't know you may have heard of this in the news recently uh, there were two incidences where the plane crashed and then there are fatalities. One more recently in, is it Kenya or Ethiopia? <laughs> yeah, this is what we do. We do research here. I think it was Ethiopia. It was not good though. Yeah, it was Ethiopia. And then there was an earlier crash in Indonesia, I think last fall. Uh yeah, so what what we're talking today about that specifically is obviously that was like a huge tragedy uh for you know the people you know on board and like their families and stuff like that. And it's something that probably could have been prevented. Uh you know, but we're going to get into some issues here that I have with Boeing and just kind of like our society in general that kind of what I think led to these these crashes. Uh so if you're not familiar with this, uh, basically what happened was the these new these new Boeing planes have this kind of like auto leveling feature built into them, where basically like this uh, autopilot kind of tries to right the plane because apparently this type of plane has the wings that are further up on the body, and so it causes issues with like the I guess uplifting force of the plane if the nose is tilted too high. It causes uh, what it, like whatever the air lifting force is to like reduce, so this autopilot feature is there to like kind of like retilt the plane back down so that it stays level essentially. And uh, but the issue is that this has been malfunctioning, and basically what would happen is is that the 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 plane is uh, at the correct tilt flying along, but the autopilot sensors. I guess kind of like were malfunctioning, weren't working properly. And even though the plane was okay to like to the pilots, uh, the sensors would read the plane as being tilted too high. So it always try to like tilt the plane back down. So basically you have like these pilots fighting the plane to keep it straight, to keep it level. But the plane wants to keep tip, dipping down now. And so part of what led to this was that uh, this is system. This system is new, and Boeing didn't provide enough training. One, yeah, one is that Boeing did not provide enough training for the pilots. Uh, you know, using this new system, they kind of like rush it out there, and so the, the pilots are like don't know how to like turn it off. 
essentially because the system is so new. And like I said, they weren't probably trained on it, you know, and, and it led to this, uh, this tragedy and uh, two instances. And the other thing was that, uh, according to this uh, article that I have, was that Boeing charged, this is a direct quote here from, from the headline, Boeing charged extra money for vital safety features on the 737 MAX. So basically what you have here is Boeing not training the pilots uh, correctly, you know, pushing out the system too quickly, it seems. I don't think, they, they, I, I'm going to guess that they did not do enough testing on this system and then apparently <laughs> there are additional features that they were charging for so so one quote that i have here is that uh let's see here so it says both this is a direct quote from the article it says both flights were the new the new boeing 737 max 8 model planes and both aircraft lacked safety features that are sold as extras by boeing like a special light that notifies pilots when software on the plane may be getting a false reading. So that sounds like something, you know, that maybe shouldn't be sold as an extra feature, but should be sold like as a default thing for for the plane. Right? So the the main issue that I'm getting at here is that like a company like Boeing is not like and you would think they'd be motivated by, like, you know, providing quality aircraft, reliable service, you know, to better serve, you know, airlines and their customers, you know, traveling by plane, right? But the problem that we get into here is an example of this is that Boeing, any company, I don't really care what the company is, any company is not motivated by by that, by what's best for the customer, they're 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 motivated by generating profits. That's what it seems like here. They have these new planes. I'm sure they're making Boeing a lot of money because planes obviously are not cheap. And there's only a couple of aircraft manufacturers in the world, especially for like uh, commercial planes or commercial flights. I think it's like Boeing, Bombardier, and Airbus. I think uh, there may be a couple of others, but I think those are like the major major manufacturers you know so here you have boeing like you know obviously you can see where their concerns are in in the manufacture of this plane because they probably should have waited to test that that uh, autopilot feature and they definitely should have trained the people the pilots on it and they definitely should have not had something like a warning light saying when sensors are misreading because that's what caused this whole plane in the first place. And then, so you have two two planes that go down within like, what, three or four months or something? And then, you know, there's a call to like ground the flights, which obviously Boeing does not want to do because one, it means they have to admit that they have a problem. Uh, You know, and it's going to cost them money. And then you have, you know, and as you're just like, it makes you think like you, you, you really have to think about like how companies operate because it's like a big thing. My, my wider point here is that like we tend to think of companies as um, servicing consumers. That's how they position themselves, right? Like they're here for their consumers, for their customers. Uh, but it's like, no, that's part of it 
But that's not their main goal. They don't really give a shit about you as a customer, as a consumer. And I've got other things about people thinking that companies are like their friends or some some crap like that. And it's it's not just airplanes. Um, you know, like we've seen this before with like automobiles, cars. Uh, there's a good uh, podcast. I think it's uh, 99% Invisible, if you want to check it out. But basically, they're talking about the same issue before that we had with uh, with automobile manufacturers in the basically 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. Cars from that era are uh, were not very safe, to say the least. Okay, so you have like, you know, you had like bench seats. Uh, you don't have seat belts really standardized. It wasn't until like you had like this regulation that came in from the government that made them like more safe. But people had been calling on car manufacturers to change how they make interiors of cars. Because if you look at those older designs, you had a lot of things that were hard, rigid materials, a lot of sharp, pointy ends on things, which may look nice, may have a nice aesthetic. But when you got into a car accident, you would not want to be inside those cars. Like, they were like death traps. Right? Like, a, apparently a common problem was, like, steering columns because they were not, like, I think now they're, like, collapsible or, like, they're two pieces. So, like, and, they, and then you have things like crumple zones. So, now in modern cars, if you get into a car accident, like, a lot of these things, like, basically implode on themselves. So, they have, like, absorb impact before it gets transferred to, like, the cabin or it gets transferred to, like, passengers in the car. But back then, they didn't have any of that stuff. So, you had steering columns that were, like, super stiff. And basically, if the front engine crashed into something, that would cause the engine block to move back, basically move towards the passengers. And then, basically, you'd have the dash that would come up and, like, crush. Well, that would basically come up and crush you. And you had steering columns that would, like, impale through people and stuff like that, you know. And you had, like, sides of doors and... um like door handles and, and things like that and the interior of the car, interior piece that were sharp, like those would be things to like maim you, hurt you in car accidents. So for a long time you had people were saying like, hey, auto manufacturers, change that. Like this is not good. Like people are getting seriously injured in car accidents, you know, people are getting impaled, you know, people having like their legs crushed and all that stuff because, you know, when you go into a car accident, there's nowhere else for this material to go but inwards into the cabin, into where the passengers are sitting. Car manufacturers, their response was not, oh, wow, yeah, people are getting hurt, people are dying. Uh, you know, let's change how we do that because that would cost too much money. They'd have to, you know, research, redevelop, get new materials. Like, it's a whole process, right? And, it's, and they don't want to hurt sales, too, in the meantime because if they admit that they have a problem, that means people are, like, going to second-guess buying cars, so for the long time they ignored it. They said, "Nah, it's uh, it's your fault essentially as the driver." Basically, their position was like, "Don't get in the car accidents, and nothing bad will happen to you," which is true to a certain extent. If you don't crash your car, yeah, you don't got to worry about anything. But I don't know if that's the best philosophy <laughs> for things, you know. So these these changes that come about like weren't the companies themselves realizing oh, we have an error in our ways, let's fix it. I mean, that does happen sometimes. Like, if you can come to me and say, oh, I, this example where this company did this thing, they corrected this thing on their own. Okay, good, I guess. The majority don't because that's not what's important. What's important is if they make money. Because like I said, companies are not your friends. They're not there for you. They don't create products for you. They don't care about you. Even if they say they do, like, I don't care. Like, they'll have initiatives, like, 
tree planting or will donate to charity. They do all that stuff, not because they necessarily care. They can say they care about it. I don't care. Like, they can say, yes, we're doing this because this is like we this is a cause we believe in, blah, blah, blah. I don't believe any of that. You know, it may be partially true. But the reason why they do it is because it looks good to the average consumer. So it makes them think, oh, yes, they're ethical and stuff like that. And it's like, well, no, they're probably not. Somewhere along the line, they're probably not. They're they're probably not ethical in terms of how they treat their employees or how they put profits over people, whether it's their consumers or employees. Uh, the, the areas, you know, where they like um, build their plants and all that stuff, environmental damage. Like, there's a whole bunch of different things, and so that brings us back to Boeing. It's the same kind of thing, you know, because like creating something like an aircraft like even more so than like cars or whatever you need to be a hundred percent certain of what you're putting out there is safe because like if something like an airplane has to be like made like with precision right and they have to be held like accountable for for creating these things because something like a plane if something is off it will cause a lot of people to die like obviously people like who are on the plane, and then depending where the plane falls or crashes. So these things could have crashed over over a city or something like that, you know? And there would have been, like, much worse in terms of, like, uh, the damage that was done based on that. And then basically the only way that these companies change is, like, from pressure um, from the government and from from people because the company themselves aren't going to do it. Uh, I think we've seen time and time again, doesn't matter what industry, doesn't matter what area, what part of the world, you know, companies if they can get away with it, they will because what they care about is their bottom line and not about anyone else. So when and, and part of the reason why I bring this up is cuz you'll have people who like identify as like libertarian. Uh, if you don't know what that is, basically they're people that um profess um, having limited amounts of government uh, in terms of regulation and control, so they think government should be small, shouldn't really encroach. They're more it's something you find more in the U.S. where they're more about um, property rights and like personal rights and stuff like that. And so you get it from like libertarians, and I guess you kind of get it from people who are more like I don't know if they're anarchists, but they're leaning more towards like just like no levels of government kind of thing. I don't know if they would fall under the same philosophy or identify as anarchists as well, but basically what they posit is that a lot of these services, whether it's regulation, whether it's like an actual service provided by the government, should not be provided by the government. So basically saying the government should like not in, in, in interject in terms of like providing services or manufacturing goods, although I don't think the government actually manufactures any goods. So usually they just provide services or shouldn't provide regulation and stuff like that. Basically, everything should be deregulated and private companies should service everything. So, you know, for an example, like having the post office, people, some of these people say, yeah, we shouldn't have a post office because it's slow and inefficient, you know, and, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever about the post office, which is things I've heard is like, oh, should only have private companies doing it, for example. So, like, UPS or FedEx or Purelater. Uh, you know, basically private companies, private courier companies doing it. And it's like, yeah, I understand there can be government bloat, government inefficiencies, government corruption. But, like, a private company doesn't fix that. Because we'll have all those same things from a private company providing services like they're not 
The, the, the only difference is that government technically is supposed to like be in service of its citizens. That doesn't always happen depending on what type of government there is and basic and uh, based on like corruption and stuff like that, lobby groups and all that stuff. But f- philosophically, that's the government's role is to provide stuff for the citizens. Whereas philosophically, a private company is not to provide a product or service for people or citizens, if you want to think of it in those terms. That's not their role. They do those things. But the reason why they do those things is not for the betterment of society. They do those things to make money. So if you have like something like if we if we got rid of the post office, let's say we got rid of Canada Post and only have like UPS, do you know how expensive it is? It's gonna be to mail stuff, to send packages, to receive packages, and especially if there's no government regulation on them. That's why if people are say, speak of like privatizing Canada Post or something, I'm like, no, it'd be a terrible idea because then you're gonna have a company that is gonna get rid of service, right? They're gonna anything that doesn't make money, they're gonna cut number one. And then number two, things that do make money, they want to make more money. <laughs> and it's not going to serve as us. That doesn't help us. I mean, if, you, if you're if you rich, maybe it helps you because you, you don't have to work. You've got the money. But not everyone has money to do that thing. So is the post office I'm slow or, like, annoying or whatever? Like, yeah, of course. But it's like anything. It's going to be a lot more annoying when, like, you can't use the services or they cut certain services because they don't make enough money on them. You know, it's the same thing for, like, electricity for plumbing, for the roads, like, if all, like, road work and stuff was done, yeah, there's, like, corruption in the, uh, in the construction industry and all that stuff, and especially in Montreal here, like, um, even in Toronto, too, <laughs> it's just, like, construction all year round, like, it never ends, but if those are private companies, it would probably be a lot worse in terms of, like, because I know private companies probably do the road work. I know some some of it's like publicly funded, but they do contract out the work. But if it was all owned and maintained by private companies, do you think we could just drive down the road in your car or whatever on your own? Like, no, I guarantee you, if those were run by, if the maintenance of the roads, ownership of the roads was private companies, they would set up tolls, they would set up fast lanes. And then if you're someone that doesn't have money to pay that, like you have a car, let's say, but you don't have, you know, money to waste on, on like, tolls and, like, fast lanes and other usage fees. The roads aren't going to be for you then. It doesn't Because the company that's, like, owning, like, these hypothetical roads is not to provide a public good. It's not to provide, you know, the betterment of society or provide for the betterment of society. They're there to make money. So they have these roads. Obviously, there's costs associated with owning and maintaining roads. They're going to charge services to one, cover the cost of that, and then make money on top of it. Because that's their main goal. And you see the same things here, especially like with, just look at cell phone service here. Essentially what we have is an oligarchy. We have three main companies, well four in Quebec, that provide cell service, and it's super expensive. Especially if you can, I was in Europe last fall, and it was crazy the data that they would get, like 200 gigs for like 20 euros, right? Like, for me now, for, what do I have? I think I have 8 gigs. It's, like, $90. Right? Like, and all of them do it because they're they're motivated by making money, not by providing me, the consumer, with a reasonable amount to charge for providing cell service. You know? So that's where we would end up. So that's why stuff like this, I don't know, is important to, to question and, like, push back against companies and hold them accountable because i know 
when the planes were grounded at first in the U.S. and Canada, they were kind of like hesitant at grounding them, especially the U.S. Canada still took a, took a while, but the U.S., they were the last, I think, country, or I don't know, developed country. Anyway, they're one of the last because the, Boeing is an American company, and obviously grounding them is expensive. I, th- I think I read it costs like uh, $5 billion or something to ground the planes. I'm not sure if that's per day or if it's like a month or whatever, but it's a lot of money. Like, I understand, you know, that it's not cheap, but at the same time, I don't think it's okay to fly with planes, especially, that can cause a lot of damage if if the things aren't working properly. Now, if Boeing had spent the time and money properly developing these things, they wouldn't have been in this position in the first place. So that's what's important to think about on that. All right, so now that brings us to our first break. We're going to hear a short word from our sponsor. And I just remembered we don't have a sponsor. (laughs) I'm being told by my non-existent producers that we do not have a sponsor. So that's our first topic of the day. And then our second topic, oh yes, oh yes, we're still rallying against the rich today and evil corporations. And just so you know, all corporations are evil. Don't let anyone else tell you otherwise. And I know what you're thinking. How can you think corporations are evil? You buy stuff from them. I'm like, yeah, because I don't have any choice. That's just that's just the world that we live in. That's our society is built up by these corporations. But that's okay. But now we're not talking about specific corporations. We're talking about uh one person in particular who does have a corporation but in this in this sense we're not talking in the same way about how corporations are there to only serve themselves we're talking about uh basically i guess this 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 kind of involves the culture around around corporations around rich people defending them no matter what if it's a good idea or not but because they're rich and because they have this cult of personality. We're talking about um, Elon Musk. Well-known millionaire, maybe a billionaire. I don't know, I'm not his accountant. But he's got a lot of money. He's got a lot of money. You've probably heard of him. He is the head of Tesla, although not the founder of Tesla, which I did not realize originally. Maybe like a year or two ago I found out that he is not the founder. He's the CEO of uh, Tesla, but he did not, he's not one of the founders. Uh, Tesla was founded by, I think, two other dudes. And then he came on, I guess, maybe as an investor. I don't know what his initial role was. But anyways, he basically took over took over Tesla. They make those cars that you might have seen. They're all electric vehicles. Uh, yeah, so they make Tesla cars, Tesla vehicles. Uh, I think they have three models now of Tesla. You have the Model S. Oh, I think you have the Tesla, the first one. I don't know. Then you have like the Model S and Model X. And they just came out with the Model 3. Um, so they make those cars. You've probably seen them. They look cool. They look cool. Because the, the idea, I think, initially was to um, basically push forward uh, an environmentalist uh, or environmentally conscious approach to producing cars. Because obviously auto manufacturers, the traditional ones like Toyota, Ford, GM, uh, Chrysler, Honda, BMW, I can go on. Uh, (laughs) 
they like to obviously stick to what they know, which is the combustion engine. And obviously, you also have oil companies who are probably invested in that as well because that affects them. Although oil is used, or crude oil anyways, is used for a lot of different products, especially plastics. But it doesn't hurt that there's all these millions of vehicles all over the world, or maybe even billions because a lot of people have more than one car, uh, you know, that use gasoline as their fuel source. And so there had been a couple of companies, I know GM in the mid-90s had an electrical ve- electric vehicle that they had for a bit, but then they killed it. You know, so Tesla comes along and says, hey, we're going to do uh, electric vehicles, but they're not going to be like these stupid, slow, nerdy thing. Ooh, I love the environment. It's like, no, they're going to be, you know, sports cars and fast, right? Real manly stuff, you know? <laughs> I, I'm just, I don't know, I don't think that's their actual positioning, but basically to have, like, a sports car type electric vehicle, just to say that they don't have to be small, like, Priuses, essentially, that you can have, like, the same type of thing that I think what appeals to a lot of people in, in cars is, like, you know, looking good in terms of design and then going fast, and especially with electrical vehicles, being able to go over a long distance, because I mean, right now the infrastructure is not there for them. But if you run out of battery power, you don't want to be stranded, and also you don't want to be limited if you want to go on a long distance trip. You know, to have an electric car that where you can only go like, you know, maybe an hour away. I can understand for people that travel more than that. You know, you need something that can last. Uh, so that's kind of like how they posi- position themselves. I don't think that's their goal in terms of like making affordable because i know that model 3 is supposed to be basically basically supposed to come out as like a when it was first announced supposed to come out as a thirty-five thousand dollar car which is good because cars are expensive so uh, i think 30 i'm not i mean i like cars i'm not like a huge car person but i like them so i think like thirty-five thousand is like decent i mean because i know you can get some cars that are cheaper like i think jettas or like golfs or whatever like Fourteen, twenty thousand. So thirty-five thousand would be like mid-tier, mid-level, I guess, type of car. Especially the Model Three, which I think is a four-door sedan, or it could be a two-door coupe. Yeah, sorry. Look, if you came here for like well-researched things, <laughs> I mean, you can go search this yourself. What a Model Three looks like if you're not familiar with it, or if you want to, if you can somehow contact me and yell at me for not knowing this stuff off the top of my head or whatever, go for it. But basically, $35,000 car. Um, when it came out, it was not $35,000. I think... Uh, I think now they're coming out with a $35,000 option. It's more. Uh, and the reason why I bring this up is because it's like this position is being affordable, but they're not really affordable. They're pretty expensive. you got to have money to, to own a Tesla. You know, and then also for the charging, they charge for that too. Because like, no, if, Maggie made a face at me. For those of you who can't see, which obviously you can't see because we're not recording this. Uh, charging you can charge as long as you have like a charging station like at your thing. But they have this thing called like a supercharger or something that can like charge really fast. That's what they charge for. So I think you have, depending on I think because i've never bought a tesla so i don't remember the buying process but i think if you spend a certain amount you get a certain amount of supercharges per year and i don't know if they stopped it or whatever i read a thing that they may be reintroducing it this could just be in the states 
So the supercharger, yeah, it charges the car up really fast. Otherwise, you have to do, I think, just the normal way of charging it. And I don't know how long it takes because, like I said, I don't have a Tesla. So I don't know. I didn't bother looking it up. <laughs> it's not my main point. Um, people tell me sometimes I talk too much about things. And this is one of those times where I definitely am talking about two things. So the main, my main point here is not about Tesla. It is about Elon Musk, but not about Tesla. But the main reason why I bring that up is because uh, I think the innovation that Tesla has brought in terms of making a decent um, electric vehicle, electric sports car, is kind of like what catapulted Elon Musk to like the forefront of like public perception and also has given him like cult, a cult of personality. So you will have Elon Musk like fanboys, I guess that's the only way to really describe them. Who have bought into the cult? Like they're drinking the Kool-Aid. Like doesn't matter what Elon Musk does, he is this visionary genius disruptor, which I fucking hate that word because everyone tries to use it for uh, disrupting. I was like, no, 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 it's not disrupting. It's the same thing again, just packaged in a different way. So, uh, yeah. So Elon Musk has the status, and he has his vigorous defenders. That no matter what, he's this visionary tech genius. And if you criticize him, you're dumb and you don't understand and you don't believe in the future or whatever bullshit people are trying to spew about about it. And what I, not necessarily about Tesla itself, although I don't think Tesla, I, I don't think of Tesla as like this every man's car. Cause no, it's pretty exclusive. I, I see them around, but it's not like everyone's got a Tesla. Not everyone's lining up. They're pretty expensive. Um, and like I said, you can you can look up the $35,000 Model 3. I'm pretty sure it's like really, really basic. So, anyways, that's the main point. Like I said, is the cult of personality built around Elon Musk, and more specifically, is his Boring Company. So, now if you don't know what the Boring Company is, it's B O R I N G, and Boring not as in you are bored, but Boring as in tunneling. So he started this company basically to make this uh, idea that he had proposed several years ago called the Hyperloop system basically it's a series of underground tunnels you can look this up or if i do like i said if i do show notes we'll uh, uh i'll include links there to the original like pitch of what hyperloop was so basically it was kind of like this underground tunnel system that was supposed to transport you quickly around town for example to alleviate traffic essentially so if you're someone that's like you know you live in a big city Lots of traffic, you know, this was a way to like bypass all that. So basically you're underground and the concept videos or at least what was initially pitched was kind of like this large kind of like bus type system, vehicle system that would like take a bunch of people in like at a platform and then would like whisk you to your next destination or your next point or wherever it is that you're going right and it seemed like a really cool idea you know to have like this high-speed underground trains because i what i will say in north america especially is that trains are like lacking or like even underground subways or whatever are lacking in terms of like their speed and efficiency whereas if you go like to from my understanding anyways like japan or something where they have like high-speed like bullet trains and apparently their subways are like super super on time super like basically meticulous in terms of like how they operate apparently i don't this is what i was reading the other day i don't know if this is 100 true but basically like in tokyo i think it was tokyo but anyways japan 
if the subway is more than like a minute late, they'll issue you like basically like this late slip, essentially saying that the subway was late and this is why you're late to work or whatever. That's like how efficient their system is. So, so here in North America, I'd say we're lacking in, in, in that kind of stuff there. So what Elon Musk had proposed, uh, you know, it was like, like I said, building the system of like tunnels essentially to get around town to avoid traffic. And then so earlier this year, like a couple months ago, he had basically done this like publicity press event for the boring company, basically saying that, oh, we borrowed uh, or we bore this tunnel with this boring machine for a cost of $10 million. So basically he had a machine, a, a tunnel digging machine, a boring machine, dug a mile long tunnel. And then that cost about $10 million. And then so when he was showing his Hyperloop system, uh, it was not like this futuristic thing that in the concepts that we had seen, but it was basically a Tesla vehicle that was basically strapped with like guide rails and went down this tunnel right and basically they're turning it as a big success what elon musk and the boring, co boring company were saying oh this is a big success you know we built this mile-long tunnel for 10 million dollars and this tesla can go through it at like 60 miles an hour because the idea is essentially how it's supposed to work in this iteration of of, of the hyperloop i guess is that uh, computers will control how the cars move throughout the tunnel. So basically, once you're on the track, everything will be moved in sync, essentially, because part of what causes traffic is stopping and going, whether it's on the street or on a highway. So the speeding up and slowing down causes traffic, and when you have like millions of cars on a certain roadway or whatever, it adds all those like seconds of speeding up, slowing down, add up, and causes ripple effects as as the longer you go down a, a, a thing of traffic, a lane of traffic. So this would eliminate that, and then you, and again, you'd have like these tunnels that would take you. I mean, it's not clear. I mean, I'm gonna get into the criticisms a bit more, but it's not clear how you enter and exit. Then, how this is exactly supposed to work. But anyway, so the big thing was yes, ten million dollars to build this mile-long tunnel. So ten million dollars a mile, essentially, compared to, and I don't know where this number was generated from, and all the things that I read, and I couldn't find anything that specifically said. I don't know if this is a national average in the U.S. because it took place in the U.S. and California, I believe. Basically saying that like to build like a subway tunnel or whatever would cost uh, $100 million per mile. So it's like a tenth of the savings. But a lot of places, a lot of people, a lot of journalists, commentators, whatever, were looking at that and were being like, that's okay, this is not that impressive. Um, okay, you built... Uh, a mile-long tunnel with the shitty Tesla that went through it, and that was it. This was not like the vision, the concept that we were sold before. Something like different. And then you have the price saving, which apparently doesn't factor in a bunch of different things that you would normally consider in terms of uh, accounting for the cost. But then you have the Elon Musk fanboys, and I read through like a lot of comments on articles I was reading about basically being critical. A lot of people were not impressed. They're like, "Oh, okay, you just made like a small tunnel, like, and a car went through it." That's essentially what it is. 
the reason why I bring this up now, a couple of months later, other than the fact that we're recording a couple of months later, but there was an article that I read this week of uh, transportation officials, I think from Michigan, uh, somewhere else from the States, that kind of like looked at that, the boring tunnel, well, the boring company tunnel, I guess. And they're kind of like, yeah, this is interesting. I mean, there's potential, but right now this isn't really a serviceable idea. You know, this isn't really practical. This doesn't really do anything. And then I was reading through the comments on like these articles, and then also in the this demonstration was first done, and people are saying the same thing. Like, yeah, this is a waste. Like, money would be better spent like building a proper subway or something along those lines. But then you have these ardent fans of Elon Musk saying like, no, this is like way better. This is a tenth of the cost. You know, uh, and people are saying, well, yeah, but it doesn't have like. How many people is it going to transport, right? And they're like, well, no, like it doesn't have to be as big as a subway tunnel, okay? It's one-tenth of the price, all right? And people are trying to say, well, you can't really compare that because it's a different size tunnel, you know, and it's going to fit, you know, these cars that hold like four or five people in them. I don't know how many can go in at a time. Like there's so many questions around it in terms of how effective and how efficient it's going to be. In terms of moving people around, again, there's questions of, well, how do you enter? How do you exit? Is it any car that can do it? Like, what special equipment do you have to have on the car? Like, there's so many unanswered things. And people are saying, like, you know, even if... And the other thing is, like, for subway projects, looking at them, breaking them down, usually the tunneling from some project I've seen, like, in L.A., New York, the tunneling itself is, like... I didn't see the total length of the systems and all that stuff, but... The project, let's say, would be like $2 billion total. The actual tunneling cost was like $400 million, let's say, for example. So, I mean, but I'm not sure how long or how many miles of tunnel that that, 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 that covered, right? But I even still, even, even, even if it was $100 million, like that doesn't compare to the 10, $10 million per mile because, one, these are the problems that I have with it. It's... A single mile tunnel. We're not talking about a full completed project. At least with these other subway projects that, yes, maybe cost several billion dollars to do. It's a full completed project. Not, oh, we built one mile of something at this price, which seems to me like already to be a made up price. But let's say it's true. Let's say regardless of different types of accounting or Hollywood accounting, as they call it, where they just kind of like make things look nicely for themselves. Let's say it is actually $10 million a mile. Like, what does that mile-long tunnel do? It, d- it doesn't serve any purpose. It doesn't go anywhere. It does not connect to an overall system. Show me the whole completed system, and then let's say see if it's $10 million a mile after everything else is done, right? Because yeah, I don't think it's... A- it's, like, it's like building a house, and you built one wall, a crappy wall at that, and then you've been, and you're like, oh, instead of let's say a house costs like a hundred million dollars, it's like, oh yeah, I just built this wall. This costs, oh, uh, let's say two thousand dollars, because I built this one wall. I'm like, well, that's not accurate. Like, you got to do everything. Got to put up all the walls, all the drywall material, crown molding, play, uh, plumbing, sorry, piping, electricity, cables, wires, lights, tiling, you know. Grout, cement, any other uh, insulation, windows, like all that stuff has to be considered. You know, and then we can say like, okay, 
now this was ten million dollars a mile or square foot if you're building a house or whatever it is you know like then we can start comparing because like if you're building a larger tunnel that can fit because what i'm learning is like, okay you have a tunnel that fit two subway trains you know so going there going back uh all the ventilation all that stuff a service tunnel as well you know all that stuff contributes to the cost so it's way 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 bigger so you can't really compare it to like a smaller tunnel that basically is, fits one single car in terms of like width you know like that's not that's not really a, a good comparison to say like oh it's 10 million dollars a mile you know there's and there's other issues in terms of like if you just if we just think about this in terms of the logics and not necessarily in terms of like the accounting but like what's going to happen if a car breaks down in there it's only wide enough to fit one car because people are saying, oh, this is going to stop like all traffic. We don't have any issues. But like, you have more points of breakage or more points where things can break down. It's only one car length like width, essentially. I mean, it's obviously a little bit bigger than the width of a car. But basically, it can fit the width of one car with the, like special attachments on it. So Maggie was just asking how it... Uh, would work essentially if it was like a highway so basically yeah it's kind of like a like a, just like a tunnel that you would have and the cars go in it but like i said they can only go in single file but what if a car breaks down you know what if, what if there's an accident i don't know people saying oh it's computerized i'm like okay that doesn't matter computers still fuck up things break just because something is automated by a computer does not mean it's uh, impossible to to have a breakdown somewhere in the system. Yeah, with the planes, same thing with the planes, right? So what if there's something? What if there's not? How do people get out? What's gonna happen? Like, yes, I understand. And people are saying like, oh, this is someone who's a visionary. Like, you know, we're talking about like all these savings. You know, it's like none of this has been proven. But these are people that are just basically on Elon Musk's dick for no good reason you know i mean is he a good salesman yeah i guess so in terms of how he presents himself people have bought in to the ideas that he's selling is, is this a bad idea not necessarily it depends i'd have to see the execution i gotta see how it's done right now it's not looking like a good idea the concept the, the if you look at the original thing you think oh, okay that could be interesting it could be interesting but what it looks like now like no that's that's stupid like you might as well build a subway. I don't understand that can move a lot more people at a time. Because one of the things, those arguments I was reading, people saying like, oh, yeah, but you can like stay in your car the whole time, right? So you would be on the road or whatever. But then how is this going to work, though? Like, even logically, how is this going to work? You Okay, somehow you enter. Then how do you decide when you get off? Because you're going to have to have like exit tunnels, right? You're going to have your tunnel that goes through point A to point B. And then you're going to have, like, like at a highway, you have your on, on and off ramps. Now, how is that going to work exactly? Right? It, uh, to me, it's like a logistical nightmare. I don't even know if it's worth And then you got to think about, like, the ground integrity, digging all these tunnels underground. or You know, you got to make sure everything's structurally sound. Like, how much can you do this? You know, like, where in the city can you go? Like, because I, I know, because I, I think this was done in L.A. or close to L.A. And, I, and I've heard that L.A. is like a lot of traffic. I've never been myself. I imagine it probably does. Large, large city. I think second largest city. Maybe largest city in the U.S. Because I can't remember if L.A. or New York is bigger off the top of my head. But where would it go? Let's say I am in the resident of L.A. Like, where in the city is this going to take me? Right? Like, all these things, like, matter. At least, like, a subway is, like, 
you know, you can have different lions that take you around. You don't have to worry about, yes, you're not in your car, but like, you know, I think it's easier without having to like fit a car underground and then take it off. Like, I just don't see how this is going to work. You can say, like, you can call me a naysayer or whatever, but like, I need something more concrete than what we've got now, right? Like, the reason why, for, at least I think for me and a lot of people, it's hard to believe this is because there's nothing. There's nothing showing like how this is going to work, essentially. It's all, right now, it's all fantasy. So I don't think we should like blindly just follow someone like Elon Musk. Even if they may be smart in other areas, I don't know him personally. Maybe he's a super smart dude. Maybe he has good ideas. It's like I'm not saying it's bad to have these ideas to try to figure out, okay, well, how can we get around traffic and stuff like that? Like That's not the problem. The problem isn't having these crazy ideas like having crazy ideas is fine but then when you want to turn it into something real i can't be a crazy idea anymore right it has to have something in there that's like grounded in reality that can actually work and be serviceable because right now this this tunnel how it is is not serviceable like at least i don't see it or show me a plan beyond just well it's elon musk so if he's doing it if he says it can be done it's gonna be done i'm like okay great let's see the plan then and then we'll see the cost. Because right now it's looking like nothing. I don't see this going anywhere. <laughs> like, I'm not even interested in the cost right now because I don't see it going anywhere. Right now it's all talk. And yes, they have their concept tunnel. But it's not even proof of concept of the original concept. So go go and watch the original thing, the original video or demonstration that was like a mock-up and animation or whatever that shows you how it's supposed to work. That looks interesting. If we had seen a preview of that, maybe I'd be more into it. But that's not what we got. We just got like a regular car going down the tunnel. And to me, that's not impressive. I don't know why anyone thinks that's impressive, even if it is $10 million a mile. It's a tunnel to nowhere. It's like you hear about bridges to nowhere. It's like a tunnel to nowhere. It doesn't do anything for me. Yes, so there we go. So that's our dangers. Part of our dangers of just following maniacal billionaire people and their wacky ideas. Uh, There'll be more in the future. We'll have more more things to go over so that's where we're going to leave it off today for this episode so thank you so much for listening tune back in next week or next time i don't know stay tuned for the next episode we'll be here i've been your podcast person pavlo also known as jpav also known as pav also known as pavi and as always my recording partner maggie has been here and uh, one day we'll get her. You'll hear her voice one day. We'll get her. We'll get her to say something into the microphone. But yeah, we'll catch you guys next time. Thank you for listening. Take care. Have a good day, weekend, night, whatever. Whenever you're listening to this, and peace out.